So everybody survived Christmas, huh? <laughs> Did anybody have a... I, I've given up on a restful Christmas. <laughs> I've given up on that. The day after Christmas is when I rest. Um, yeah, you see family maybe for a long, that I haven't seen in a long time and different things happening. I don't know if you guys know, uh, some of you were here, we had a Christmas Eve service, and it was awesome, we had a great time, and it was probably the quickest Christmas Eve service I've ever been to, it was only about 45 minutes, which was really nice, because it's good to get home and, and take care of everything else, but it was a lot of fun, we had a lot of kids come up, and we had the story, and great music, and it was just a lot of fun, over 80-something people hanging out with us on Christmas Eve, it was really sweet, a lot of people I had never seen before, which is always good. Um, which kind of brings us what some of the things that we're doing around here. We're getting real excited about. We're going to be rolling out some stuff this uh, new year coming up real soon. Um, just where our church is going and what what we're looking forward to. Um, and and part of it is just connecting with the community and connecting with you and um, you know on worship services like this and Sunday mornings and the the fun things we're doing like throughout the week where we're growing and in, in groups. Uh, we've got the Roots group which is happening really soon. Um, which will be, I think, January 7th or January 8th, something like that. It's a Wednesday night, one of those, <laughs> whatever one, first week of, of January, uh, the 8th. Um, and you know what? It's about discipleship. And some of you have been disciples for a long time, but that's not the point. It's for new disciples and older disciples uh, in the Lord. It's honestly, what we want to do is if you go through the class, you come to a point where you're asked now, hey, you're, you're being taught to disciple so that you can go now disciple. And who can you take this information to at your work or at home, at school, and all the other stuff? So a lot of fun things we're doing, plus Awanas and the women's group that's meeting and the youth group that's meeting twice a month. I mean, just good stuff happening. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, serving our community coming up soon and looking at all the different things. I don't know if you guys know this, but Redlands loves to send people our way by the thousands. They come down our street a couple times a year. I don't know if you guys know that. So just a lot of cool chances to um, to just serve people in the name of Jesus and let them know that, that God loves them and God has a plan for them and a purpose for them. Um, and so if you're new with us, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to hang out and uh, um, just see where you're coming from. And uh, we just, we've got a great church here. And I'm really excited. Unfortunately, it looks like a lot of people are sick. <laughs> Probably, I know my wife almost didn't make it today. Um, it, it, it's coming down, the sickness, and people are out of town, and it's just a crazy time right now. Now. Um, but we're excited that you're here and we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, we've been going through the kingdom basics. If you guys, yep, there it is on the, on the back screen there. We're going through the kingdom basics and looking at the, the kingdom of God and what God's kingdom, what, he, what Jesus came to explain to us, to, to show us. And as God has been doing throughout history um, in, in, in detailing what it means to live for his kingdom and not our kingdom. And that's really the struggle and the battle of, of planet Earth, isn't it? I mean, really, when you, when you look at the, the differences between cultures and, and, and history and battles and just everything, you really see a difference between mankind and their way and God's way. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, people who want it to be God's way do it mankind's way. And that's where you get a lot of mixed up junk sometimes as you get religion that's not really good and it's not really helpful. In fact, it does a lot more hurt than it does help. Um, and that's what, unfortunately, we see a lot of times in history. But God, very simply, with his son, gave us a, a purpose and some basics that I think we need to, we need to um, 
just reiterate. And what I want to do really quick is just reiterate um, some of the things that we've been talking about. And we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, if you guys remember, the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is just a theological name for uh, the declarations of Christ that he first makes. And what's interesting about these declarations, whenever you look at the, the, the simple underlying facts of these declarations that Jesus lays out, they're like negatives. They're not positives. And a lot of times we take them as positives, and really they should be taken as negatives. In fact, so much so, let me, let me explain this a little bit clearer. I, I was listening, I have a, a, a podcast thing. It's like a, a New Testament uh, acted out. Uh, so it's like the book of Matthew or the book of John, and, and there's like, you know, blacksmiths in the background hitting hammers and, and doing stuff while Jesus is talking or doing different things. So it's kind of a dramatic reading of the scripture. It's just really cool. I like, I like doing that sometimes when I'm outside working. I'll listen to the, the whole book of John or, you know, Matthew. And so I've just been look, listening to the Sermon on the Mount a lot recently because we've been going through it. And so what I thought was really interesting, and why I'm talking about this, um, is when you're listening to it, Jesus gets up. And he reads, as we're going to read really soon, just that beginning beatitude statement. Just the beginning, you know, blessed um, are, are they, or blessed are those. And, and he goes into it. And you hear the gasps and the awes, kind of just the, oh, yes, Lord, yes, oh, good. And people are just kind of responding to it in the background. And I'm like, wow, they don't get it. <laughs> they, they, they've missed it completely. Because, see, that's a, that's a horrible understanding of the Sermon on the Mount. If Jesus was saying what he was saying and we're sitting there going, yes, Lord, then we're missing it. Because the truth is, when he's saying these things, what you would probably hear are people in the background going, what? What, did he just say that? Who could possibly do that? Or how can we possibly get there? It's almost as if Jesus was saying, hey, just jump right now and fly to the moon. If you can, you'll be close to God. You know, it's almost ridiculous to some extent. But there's a reason why he's doing that and why he starts it out that way. Because if you really understand what he's saying and as he illuminates it, as he goes on, because people definitely would have had questions going, how am I supposed to do that? He, as he illuminates it, he, he gets to a point where he's saying, look, it, it's not about you doing it. It's not about you at all. God is doing it. And God wants to help you. If God doesn't meet us and reach out to us, we are lost. We're stuck. Our feet will never leave the ground until the sun comes to us. And that's the whole point of the declaration. It's like he's saying at the end of Matthew chapter 5, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect, which you can't do. You can't. It's impossible. But it's that one-two punch of any understanding, basic concept here for, 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 for the kingdom is basically saying, if you don't start with me, if you don't let me, then you'll never get anywhere. If God doesn't do it, we'll never start it. Do you get it? This is the basic concept here. And that's why he goes through these things, his declarations of impossible living. And his kingdom to come inside, live uh, alive inside us and through us as the power of the Holy Spirit meets us in our poverty or our sorrow and our mourning or our surrender of our weakness and true meekness, our hunger and thirst for what truly will fill us. If we're not met by God in any of this first, then we'll never get there. It's like putting the cart before the horse. You just can't do it. We no longer rely on ourselves to be good enough. See, that's what religion says. You can do it. You can make yourself good enough. If you just do this or you just do that, 
If you just buy this for the church, or you just go there enough times, then you will be liked or blessed by God. And Jesus turns that on its head. Turns it all over on its head. I I love what he says in Matthew 16. Jesus says this, a freedom that Christ speaks of. He says this in Matthew 16, verse 25. Whoever wants to save their life, the life there is sucre, which is basically where we get the word psyche. Sucre is an interesting word. It basically means like your heart and your soul, everything. Your whole embodiment, your whole psyche. If you try to save that, you'll lose it. You get it? If you try to do it on your own, you'll lose it. You'll never get it. It's like trying to grasp wind in your hand. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You see, Jesus points this out so much throughout. And as he starts, he's saying, it's not about you, it's about God. And what God is going to do through you and the real connection of what you need. And that's what's so great about what we're going to look about today and what we're going to look at today. Jesus gives us the standard and then says, now accept my sacrifice so that you will meet it. God's love and grace comes to us in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for those that that are sick today. We pray for those that are struggling today. Lord, we pray for those that need to hear your word. We pray for those that are in need of your grace of your love, of your mercy. Lord, we're going to be looking at mercy today. We're going to be looking at that, that, that simple word that means so much. And I just pray, God, that as we look at this, as we, we truly look at your word, and as it's illuminated in our hearts, that we wouldn't just walk away from this. We wouldn't just walk out of here saying, oh, okay, that's some good knowledge. No, we would look at this And Lord, it would come inside of us and work its way through us to illuminate the world around us so that we might be light on a hill, so that we might be salt to the earth. God, your word does not go out and come back void. Your word goes out and it does miracles in the hearts and the minds of the people you love. We thank you so much for who you are and what you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, do me a favor. Let's stand up and we're going to read God's word. I've got to be able to see this a little more. I broke this the other day. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, all right, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to, on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, you may be seated. Um, now, this is, to some extent, the first and foremost primary attitude that Jesus gets to. Before he's laying it out in these declarations that I've said, that where you would look at it, you'd hear it, and you'd be like, what is he, how can I do that? How can I do that? 
But see, now he's looking at something where it's, if God is inside of you, if God is working through you, then this is something that is a natural response. Again, this isn't something we can do on our own. You cannot do this on your own. It has to start from a changed heart. It has to start from the Spirit. And this is the aspect uh, that God wants to do or work in us as he invades the shores of self. Now, it's a complex word here, this, this merciful word. It's L-I-A-O. Okay? L-I-A-O is an interesting word in the Greek. Um, it basically is compassion for those that are afflicted. But more than just kind of a compassion, it's an action to relieve their affliction. And so I put it in a very simple thing. I think it's on the board. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I thought I might have done it. But it's compassion plus action equals merciful. There you go. Um, compassion plus action equals merciful. See, it, it's the idea of it's not just, oh, that's sad. But it's, that's sad. Now let me do something about it. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's kind of the idea of L-I-A-O. Uh, we just celebrated Christmas if you guys don't remember, <laughs> which basically says that the Son of God came as a baby, right? He came as a ba- baby to eventually walk the, the, the walk that he did and the life that he lived so that he ended it eventually on a cross. And, and I asked this last Sunday, and I, I'm, you know, it's one of those questions that I, I, I still want to ask God, even though I kind of know the answer. It's still, it's a little cloudy a little bit, you know. But why didn't you just come down with beard and all from the heavens, Right in front of, the, you know, and just say, here I am, put me on a cross and die right there. Why did you, why did you come as a baby? Why did you do that? You know, why, why did you come to some parents who didn't get you all the time? And, you know, just the whole struggle that he went through. Well, what's cool about that is we, we have an idea in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. If you guys want to turn to it, there's some good stuff here in, in the book of Hebrews that I think points this out. And it's, it's Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 17 and 18. And, and it says this. It gives a really good answer, I think. For this reason, he, that's Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way. See, the, the, the book of Hebrews is great because it's talking all about how Jesus is better. See, we have all these things that are good, but Jesus is best. And Hebrews points that out. He's talking to religious people and he's saying, I know you have this and there's the, the law and there's all these things that, that are good, but do you want good or do you want best? And Jesus is best. And this is why Jesus is best. Because he was made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a L-A-E-O. L-A-E-O, merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. That's a huge concept here. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. See, Jesus did what he did the way he did so as to truly show us mercy. See, the Son of God made himself equal to us. I I don't know if you guys get the concept of that. 100% human. That's ridiculous. I mean, think about that. When we die and we see God, we'll see Jesus and His flesh who will forever bear the scars, who will forever have that body. Why? Because He made Himself like us. Philippians chapter 2 is huge about this and the kenosis when it talks about how He humbled Himself and became uh, to the point of a servant, becoming just like us. It's crazy. See, to truly give mercy, we need to receive it first. 
don't know if you guys realize this, but Jesus made himself just like us. He didn't just stoop down from on high and reach out a hand. He offered his hand at our level. That's huge. That's the amazing thing about what Jesus did when you really think about it. He put himself in situations where he was hungry and his mom and dad had to feed him. (laughs) He had to rely on other people. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, as he said many times, as he wandered and he was hoping to get fed off of the kindness of people seeking the Lord's will. It was pretty amazing. And he sat there while people were beating him, while people were doing whatever they did to him and mocking him, and he didn't once stand up and defend himself. He took it. He took it. To become a LAO, merciful and faithful high priest. You can't get any closer to the pain and suffering and misery than is the cross. You just can't get any closer to that. There is nothing more humiliating, can I just say this, than being condescended by somebody who's up here trying to help you down there. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, A good example of this is I used to work with the homeless a lot. And I I look forward to doing that here. One of the hard parts about living so far away is it's hard to get here and help. And I see homeless people wandering around. And and one of the big... I've talked with a lot of homeless people. I I love homeless people because, well, once Jesus was kind of homeless, you know, and I lived homeless for a little while. So I I, kind of understand it a little bit, but but not very much. I want to get to know them a little more. But one of the things that's interesting to me is is when I talked with the homeless people, a lot of them, they said, you know, it's, it's really... I really hate it when people just throw money at me. And I'm like, but you're out here asking for money. And he said, yeah, because I need to live. And this was a lot of people what they were talking about. I need to live, I need money, and, and you know, it's part of my thing. And, but they don't even look at me. They just throw money at me and they walk away. And there's nothing more humiliating than just getting tossed a dollar and not even being acknowledged that I'm alive. And they said, most of the time I'm out here, I stand here, and I know I smell. And this is one of the guys was telling us, I know I smell. I know I'm nothing to look at. I'm as ugly as all get out. And people just walk right by me and don't even look at me. As if I don't even exist. Because they're so much better than me. And I'm so small. See, Jesus didn't do that. True mercy is like getting into someone's skin. Feeling what they feel. Think like them. See like them. We have a merciful God who said, I didn't come to heal the, 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 the healthy. I came to heal the sick. Yeah, but you're always hanging out with sick people, Jesus. Isn't that the point? <laughs> Isn't that the point? Jesus got to our level. He looked us in the eyes and he offers true mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says this, Instead, immense in L-A-E-O, mercy, Jesus, immense in mercy, and with an incredible love, he embraced us. That's such a glorious word, isn't it? I I don't know if you've ever hugged a homeless person, but it's hard to get that smell away after a little while. He didn't care. He didn't care about that. See, that's a big deal right there, because in that day, by the way, they wouldn't have embraced a sinner. You can't embrace a sinner, because then you yourself, as a righteous person, wouldn't be allowed back into the synagogue. Because you would then be carrying that sin and you couldn't even let your... Sh- they had like crazy rules back then. Even the, the, the Levites and stuff, if their shadow, they were walking along in their shadow. I've got a shadow right here. I couldn't even let it touch that dirty person. Just my shadow. And Jesus embraced us. 
He embraces the sinner. So much so that he died on a cross. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. I love that. Not just a heart that cares, but acts. You see, compassion plus action equals mercy. This God, rich in mercy, made us alive. So what does real mercy look like? Well, Jesus points this out, I think, in Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> so follow along with me if you've got it. Luke 10, 25. See, there's, a, there's the religious people that are constantly coming to Jesus because he's just pushing the boundaries. He's constantly pushing the boundaries. And, and this religious person comes to Jesus and is like, okay, i got a big question for you. And they're always looking to stump Jesus. You know, they're always looking to try to get him, you know, screw him up, basically. So just then, in verse 25, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? You see that? What, again, this is that simple example of, okay, so if I do all those things, I can get into heaven. You see the, how his question is wrong? And this is why I think Jesus gives this such a good thing here. But I think we have to start with the right, the right question. And that's, Jesus, with all my wrong, do you still love me? And he says yes from up on the cross. That's mercy. That's grace. So here we have this religious scholar. Okay, so he's messed up already. How do I get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? I love it. He said, points him back to God's law, which, by the way, is brutal. I don't know if you ever tried following it. It's, it's nigh impossible. It's like jumping up and trying to fly on your own. Ain't going to work, okay? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. And Jesus says, good answer. Do it and you'll live. <laughs> do it and you'll live. I love it. But see, look, looking for a loophole, the religious scholar asks, and just how would you define neighbor? <laughs> see, he's trying to define this. See, religion is again about condensa- condensation, or not condensation, uh, condensation. Con- I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't even get it right. Condescension. To stoop down and say, I'm doing this so that I'm better and higher up than you. This is why the religious scholar wants to know this. Who's my neighbor? Who's the one that I have to treat better? How do I figure him out? I, I was listening to a report from one of the biggest churches in America. It has over 150,000 people, I think, in it. It's a huge, massive church. And they did this wide study where they, they sat there every Sunday, like the 18 services that they had every Sunday, and they, they, they passed out this real simple question. It was two questions. It says, how much do you help the homeless? How much do you help the homeless? And overwhelmingly, it came back, oh, I've given money, I've given clothes, I drop stuff off at Salvation Army, I do blah, 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 blah. You know, you go through the whole list, right? Well, the second question was really, really uh, uh, more specific. I mean, it was like a laser focus. It says, what's one of their names? Two percent knew the name of a homeless person. You see, the, the, the issue I have... And what Jesus is doing here, and what this religious scholar is doing is saying, hey, guess what? Uh, loving my neighbor is easy when I know who it is and I like them. A- a- and I can figure it all out. But being merciful to our family, friends, and people we connect with is pretty easy when it, when it, when it comes to not having to mess with those other people. The other people. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus points this out. He says, isn't it easier to love your, your friends? And die for your friends? And die for a good person? 
How about loving your enemy? I love what Jesus said. Jesus answered by telling a story. Because he asked him, well, who's this other person then? All right, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. Very common, by the way. If you didn't travel with a caravan, you were, you were uh, pretty much probably going to get beaten and taken uh, all your stuff. They took his clothes. They beat him up and went off leaving him half dead. So here's this man in the Jerusalem desert, just pretty much naked, dying. Now, verse 31, luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. Now, we look at this, and we teach this story a lot of times with kids and stuff, and we go, isn't that horrible? And they will... Now, you have to understand something. When he's telling this story, everybody in the audience would have been like, yep, that's right. They did what they were supposed to do. Because all the laws that had been written down since the beginning when, when Moses gave the laws, they started to be interpreted. And as they were interpreted, people would say, oh, if you're a Levite, you don't touch a dead body. You touch a dead body, and therefore you cannot go into the temple. You can't do your duties. You can't light the incense. You can't do all those things because you are now impure. And so you can't work for God because you got your hands sullied by the other. And the same thing goes with the other guy. You have the Levite and you have the religious guy. Both of them. Workers in the temple. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do anything. See, the religious aren't supposed to stoop and get close to a dead guy. Now, he goes on. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. Verse 35, in the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you back on my way back. So Jesus says this thing, and and we have to understand this. This is like a Taliban fighter helping a U.S. Marine. This is like a blood gangbanger helping out a crypt gangbanger. I mean, I'm trying to figure out the worst case scenario for those that hate each other. Back in the day, when I I used to listen to U2, you know, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and all those things in the 80s. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but but the Catholics and the Protestants, they hated each other in Ireland. And you had the Irish Revolutionary Army, or the IRA, all those things. I mean, crazy stuff that was going on. It, It would be like a Catholic brother helping a Protestant brother in the middle of everything. I mean, it's huge. This would be like in the 50s, the 40s and 50s. A black person in the deep south helping a white person or a white person helping a black person in the deep deep south. Do do you get what I'm saying? To this, people in the crowd would have went, I mean, they would have been shocked. Shocked. He doesn't just help too. By the way, he he helps. Jesus gives 12 different verbs for helping here. Because he's really showing helping, right? He's really showing action plus compassion equals mercy. Now he asked the person, what do you think to the religious scholar? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responds. He couldn't even say the name Samaritan. He's not even going to say it. He's not even going to let it sully his lips, right? Jesus said, go and do the same. You see, Jesus really makes this difficult, doesn't he? (laughs) It's not like he just says, hey, go love people. No, he takes the person you would hate the most. He goes to the Jew and says, love the Nazis. Did you get it? 
it's hardcore. Mercy is not something you do just because it's easy. It's something that God does through you to a really, really hard world. It's our enemies. See, as Jesus was hanging from the cross, what did he say to those hurtling insults at him? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's giving mercy. And we see this, by the way, in the book of Acts with Stephen as the first martyr, as, as he is basically just telling people about God's love and Jesus and what he came to do. And they say, enough with you, blasphemer. And they take him outside the city gates and they pick up stones to throw it at him. And the, the object of stoning someone, if you were in the crowd, you wanted to get a big stone and you wanted to be the first to hit their head and knock them out. It's, it's not a good pinata game. It's a sad thing. But everybody would pick up stones to throw it. And here's, Mar- here's Stephen, the first martyr. And as they're stoning him and he's getting hit in the head and hit every which way, what does he say? For God, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. He extends mercy, L-I-A-O, to his enemies. So what does this mean to you and me today? Well, first and foremost, that God sent His Son to you whether you like it or not. He descended, not condescended, to show you mercy and give you grace. I love that. It's such a big deal, people. I mean, the fact that Jesus was a baby. <laughs> Paul spells this out perfectly in the book of Colossians. I recommend Colossians for a good read if you just want to read uh, verses 1, actually chapter 1, 15 and on, but... 15 through 19 is that great thing that just talks about how Jesus was first and foremost. Not created, but God. He was present at creation. He is the Alpha and the Omega and the Supreme. One of the Trinity. And he goes on to say in verse 20, For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. By the way, and he's talking to the churches, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were His enemies. You were His enemies. Separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now He has reconciled you to Himself through death of Christ in His physical body. As a result, He has brought you into His own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. Because Jesus showed mercy. El Aleo. There is no greater place than the cross. God's wrath. See, we look at the cross as, oh, it's so saving, but... I mean, man, that's where God poured out His wrath and Jesus took it for you and me because He loves us. He didn't deserve it, but He took it. He took it for you and me. My sin, your sin, while we were still enemies. Father, forgive Him. He knew who you were. Now the flip side of this is, have you gotten stuck in religion? which also forgets what true mercy is and what Jesus did for you. The question could be asked simply, who are you looking down on? What people can you just not stand? I think this is simple. To, I mean, everybody gets there. We're driving around, something happens, and we, oh, that guy. Or look what she's doing. Sometimes it's a little more personal. But you don't understand my boss, 
Chris, you don't know this guy. You don't know how bad he is and what of a stinker he is and what he wants to do. And if I had, I mean, if I was walking by him and he was all beaten and bruised, sure, I'd feel a little pity, but then I'd just be like, eh, you deserve what you got coming, sucker. And I'd just walk on by. Think about it. How about that family member? Yeah, yeah, they hurt you. In a way you never deserved. In a way no one should ever be hurt. And if you had a chance to really dole out death and judgment and vengeance, boy, would you let them have it. Is that what mercy is? Some of us have fantasies working out about how we would get back that one person. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's been there. Oh, that one guy, that one guy. Oh, I'm going to... Once I... Ooh, I just hope I have a chance one day. See, A-O is saying you get in their skin. And you don't strike back. And when you've got a legion of a thousand angels at your bay, as Jesus did, you don't let them loose. You get up on a cross. And you die for them. See, Jesus had the chance to let us rot, but He stopped, got into our skin, and showed us mercy. I want to do something real quick. If you can close your eyes and bow your heads. It's just a simple question. Mercy... It's never easy. Think of what Jesus did for you while you were still an enemy to Him. And, and maybe you, He's your Savior now. Maybe, you know, maybe you've sat there and you've recognized this before and you've said, Lord, I know I screwed up and I'm not perfect and I know you got on that cross and you died for me, but, but you don't understand my uncle. <laughs> but you don't understand where I'm working. or You don't know my... Ex-husband, you don't know... You see, there's always something, isn't there? <laughs> Jesus, when He got on that cross, said, "I, it is finished except for those 18 people that I really can't stand. No, He didn't do that. No, He got up on that cross for you. He got up on that cross even for Hitler. And can I just say... That he loves you with all his heart. And he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And he showed mercy. He acted on that mercy. Who this week needs to see real mercy? What do you need to let go of? What anger, what hate, what you name it. Now, I'm not saying you take your person that really abused and hurt you and you just become best buds with them. That's not what Jesus did here. But He did say, not my will, but God's be done. And I'll tell you right now, God wants forgiveness and mercy and grace to reign. Amen? And my prayer for you is that you'll go out and do likewise. Let me just read this one more time. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Lord, we thank you. We ask that you would right now 
Help us. Help us to not take judgment into our own hands and vengeance and and instead open our hands and say, Lord, Your mercy and Your grace that You've given to me, I give to others. And I definitely give to those that I don't like and that have hurt me. And Lord, a, a, a little saying comes into my mind, be careful because the yardstick that you use will be the yardstick that's used against you. Lord, may we be people who don't look down on others as a church. May the mission be known as a church that looks people right in the eye and not looks through them, but into them and says, God loves you. We love you. And we're here to be ministers of reconciliation. We're here to love on the lost. Seek and find. Show the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ. May we be faithful to that, whether they're rich, whether they're poor, whether they're black, whether they're white. Doesn't matter. Man, woman, homeless, whatever. God, you are merciful and you give mercifully to all. May we be the same. Because that's what Christianity is. It's contagious. Help us to live as your son Jesus did with the same attitude knowing we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Lord, I know there's going to be experiences this week where people have an opportunity to stop and their enemy is going to be on the side of the road. My prayer, my hope, is that your mercy supernaturally will be given to them through the power of your Holy Spirit so that they might get into their skin and do whatever it takes to share your kingdom.